The Night Owl Podcast, Episode 1, Ink, Coffee, and Spirits. Welcome to the Night Owl Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Ballou, and this is a place for all you restless spirits out there to tune in and hear true tales of the paranormal. I hunt these stories down, capture them from the mouths of those who experience them, and share them with you, right here. If you have a story to tell, please send it to thenightowlpodcast at gmail.com. In this episode, I'm taking you on a trip to the heart of the city I live in, Austin, Texas, where a local tattoo shop has things mysteriously moving in the night, its employees feeling uneasy, and reports of patrons spotting an angry woman in their shop window after hours. Stay tuned. The Night Out Podcast is sponsored by Home Ads, a hassle-free website that fills the gap between short-term rentals and annual leases. Rent a place you love in a neighborhood that feels like home. Be sure to visit homeads.com for more information. If you've never visited, you might not know that our city motto is Keep Austin Weird. And there's truly no better place to see this in action than the drag, an urban oasis of sorts that extends from the University of Texas campus and runs the length of dozens of blocks along Guadalupe Street. If you take a stroll down the drag, you can pop into museums, unique local eateries, bars, live music venues, arcades, and even record shops, all while admiring the preserved street art dating back decades into Austin's rich cultural history. A local college hotspot here is the Spider House Cafe and Ballroom, offering up food and drinks and live entertainment until 2 a.m. every single night. The cafe itself is an old bungalow, dating back to the 40s if not earlier. The floors, walls, and ceilings are all the original surfaces from when this place was erected, now covered with thousands of hand-drawn notes and graffiti inked by the patrons who've been visiting this place since 1996. The wood floors give and creak as you make your way through the place. There are no overhead lights, just dim lamps and vintage sconces sparsely scattered throughout, and nothing here matches. It's all an eclectic mix of thrift store finds and junkyard grabs. Stepping outside, you'll see the places surrounded by towering oaks that hover over an enormous patio that runs to the street. I have a history with this place. When I first moved to Austin in my early 20s, this was my favorite riding spot. Years later, I'd actually meet the woman I'm now married to here for a cup of coffee and a chat. Little did I know, this property and the buildings on this lot had a history brimming with paranormal activity. An article on Austin 360 caught my eye one day. It was celebrating the Spider House's 20th anniversary, but what was unique about it was that it detailed numerous paranormal experiences employees and patrons of the Spider House Cafe and an adjacent tattoo shop had had over the years. I was intrigued, and I wanted to get the story from the people there, so I packed up my gear and headed to my old favorite coffee shop. The Spider House's waitstaff didn't have much to say when I inquired about paranormal experiences that they might have had, but they were all quick to point me in the direction of the tattoo shop. They said I'd get some answers there. The building was a small garage apartment, with stairs leading up to the shop. The front-facing window at the top of the stairs sports the name Royal Legion Tattoo. I make my way up the stairs, push to the front door, and have the pleasure of meeting Ray, co-owner and tattoo artist of the shop. I'm uh, Raymond Wallace. I work and co-own Royal Legion Tattoo here in Austin, Texas. I feel we're unique here at Royal Legion because we take traditional approaches to the way we tattoo, yet we try to keep our subject matter contemporary. The first instance that I can remember having here I had only been working in the shop maybe a couple of months. I was 
in the shop drawing for a client and the design actually had my name in the design while I was drawing the tattoo I thought I heard one of the other guys that was working here snarkily say oh she's gonna get your name on her now and I turned around and he hadn't said anything he was just just sitting there drawing it definitely was a voice that I heard but it wasn't anyone's voice in the room on a daily basis there would be problems with the electricity the music being changed all of the time items in my station being messed up and then just a general uneasy feeling I started to feel uneasy at home I started having nightmares of a presence that I had felt at the shop they would it got bad enough that it would wake me up at night shortly thereafter my relationship completely deteriorated to the point where I would have to spend nights here I would see faces out of the corner of my eye in the mirror across from my station I would see a woman's face I would see a woman in the door of the shop and usually going in and out of doors I would see someone standing in my way when I saw her in the mirror I was talking to a client and I could see her face over my shoulder in the mirror. She's a woman with dark hair, Caucasian, and a kind of leering attitude. Other times when I would see her in the doorways, in the windows, I would see her only fleetingly. One of, it seems like one of her favorite things to do is break glass in here. Um, shelves tend to come off the walls for no particular reason. The pictures have had their glass smashed out uh, multiple times. There had been an instance when they had come in the morning and there was a, for lack of a better term, an ooze all over his station. When our artist Ian came to work here for a couple of mornings, the glass out of his pictures would be smashed and all over the floor. His shelf has been pulled out of the wall. And then at home, his shelf also got pulled out of the wall, in which case he watched it happen. The only time I feel really uneasy is when I fear that she's followed one of us home. Uh, my name's Ian Betterman. Uh, I'm a tattooer here at Royal Legion Tattoo. And uh, right when I first started working here, I would just have broken glass in my station every day. Um, I kept thinking somebody was breaking in. Uh, first time it was just a pint glass that fell like off a shelf. Uh, second time was a piece of glass from a picture frame, but the picture frame was still up there. Like just the glass had come out, which normally you have to take the glass out through the back of the frame. Uh, third time, again with the shelf, it kind of ripped out of the wall and broke some stuff. I also had that same kind of goo all over my station. I thought it was just green soap from my soap bottle, but it was like even under the glass and like other areas, and I guess I didn't really think about it until after I cleaned it up. Uh, after we had painted, we had put the shelves back up, and first my shelf fell off, and then the next day, Kevin, our coworker, his shelf fell out of the wall. I was like, oh, well, everything happens in threes. Now Ray's shelf is going to fall. But Ray's didn't. I went home, and I heard a sound in my drawing room, like just a little sound. I thought it was one of my cats, so I walked in there and saw the shelf fall out of the wall, almost like in slow motion, and it was anchored into a stud of the wall. Some of the servers have seen a woman 
standing in the windows of the shop after the shop is closed during the night, during their shift. They've reported to us on several occasions that they've seen a woman standing in the windows looking down at them. There was a server downstairs that said she was waiting on a clairvoyant and she kept looking up at the shop saying that she doesn't like what's going on here. She wants you to get out. Can I have my check as fast as possible? I need to get out of here. There was a couple of instances like that where there were sensitive people that were sitting downstairs that were really spooked by the shop. Other people that have lived on the grounds have had dreams about her and reported to us about a female presence up here. In that case, the gentleman that dreamed about her on several occasions could never see her face, but could feel a lot of anger from her. After I started working here, I would have nightmares and disturbing dreams and wake up uh, shaken on a regular basis, feeling her presence in the room when I would wake up. One of the other people that used to work here, his wife told me that he had woken up several times yelling at a woman saying, we're not in the shop, you can't come here, leave me alone, yelling that when he would wake up. So I definitely feel like she had followed some of us home at some times. All that I've heard about the history of this property is that it used to be a dairy farm way back in the day and that the owner had built houses around the farm for his children and the shop being one of those houses. I've heard that this was a house of one of his daughters and she might not be happy that there's all kinds of people in her house. <laughs> so that would be my, my just sort of offhanded guess is as to what's going on here. I suppose I most of the shops that I've worked at uh, burn some kind of incense, not really religiously or anything like that. A lot of times it was just something that kind of went with the ambience of, uh, of the shop. I certainly grew up in an environment that believed in making offerings to the unseen, and we certainly do that on a regular basis, uh, myself and the co-owner. becomes kind of a part of the day. Um, you make little offerings here and there. I'm curious to know what difference it may make. This being a tattoo shop, we, you know, we regularly spill blood. You know, we have a, a large amount of people that regularly offload a lot of pain, physically and emotionally, through the tattoo process. And I wonder if that has anything, any relationship to what goes on here, or possibly even the activity calming down some since since we've been here. It's interesting, it, it would be an interesting relationship to, to explore. I'd have to say I've thought about what I would say to maybe this entity or to her if I could, you know, and I've, I've, I've thought about what a conversation would look like with an entity like this. I'd like to know how we could peaceably coexist. I, I, of course, I don't like to step on anyone's toes. I'd like to know how we could all coexist happily. I feel like in some ways our daily walk in this place is kind of a conversation with her. She certainly lets us know when she's not pleased about something in an unequivocal sort of way. <laughs> 
So in in a way, I feel like we are kind of having a, a conversation in, in some fashion, you know, on a daily basis. What you just heard was an interview I conducted with Ray at his shop on October 2nd, 2016. And initially, this was going to be the inner Ray segment, and I was going to feature a second unrelated story to conclude the first episode. What we didn't know was that our paths would unexpectedly cross almost a year later, and Ray would get a chance to have a real conversation with the spirit he felt in his shop. Now you got to excuse the audio on this next excerpt I'm going to show you. I had to quickly try to capture what was happening in the moment at the tattoo shop during business hours. So listen carefully, and amongst the chatter of people, you'll hear a woman who will refer to as Sarah to protect her identity. She starts to speak about something she's noticing and seeing in the shop. Like in there. Oh, okay. The one in the window? Yeah. You need to go? Yeah. Okay. Can you just step out for a second? We'll come back. She feels trapped. Okay. Like, she was in there for like long periods of time, trapped. Trapped. She was, so the window, she's constantly looking out. Mm-hmm. She, wants to, yeah, she wants to get out. She yeah. wants to get out, and that was her only way out. And so she doesn't like him being in that window. He's in the way. The guy's stationed. Yeah. He's in the way. She's in the way, and she's constantly trying to figure out how to get him out, how to get him out. So if he's got stuff moving around in his station, that's her. Okay. I know I need to backtrack here and give you some context to what you just heard. And to do that, we need to travel back five years ago to when Sarah and I first met. A couple years after moving to Austin, I co-founded a paranormal research group and worked on some cases for families and individuals in the Austin area. Sarah happened to be one of the last cases we had before our group dissolved in 2012. Her story was fascinating, but we were skeptical. She was reporting so much activity that it was hard to know if she was telling the truth or not. I did a total of three interviews with Sarah, and by the end of the third, I had a good idea of what she was experiencing, but had no way of knowing for certain. It appeared she was developing the ability to see spirits. It appeared from my research that she possessed the highest level of psychic ability, clairvoyance. We wrapped up that case feeling good about bringing some clarity to the situation for her. In early September of this year, the interviews with Ray came back to mind and I decided it was time to get to work on the podcast I had wanted to create. I began editing the piece you heard earlier, and memories of Sarah began to creep into my mind. On a whim, I dug through some old emails and found her address. I sent her a message, unsure if she'd get it, but she did, and we set up a call. We caught up, and I learned that Sarah was in a much better place now. She didn't seem scared and frustrated the way she did when I first met her five years ago. She went on to tell me that she'd gained a lot of control over her gift, and she was starting to use it in useful ways for herself and others. I told her about my podcast in the works and that I'd love to feature her story on a future episode one day. Then the idea hit me. I remembered the story about the clairvoyant Ray had mentioned in his interview, how it had been reported that she'd seen the spirit up in the tattoo shop's window. Without giving Sarah any details at all, I mentioned the coffee shop location and how there was a story I was working on for my first episode that I felt needed some answers. I asked her, simply, would you mind if we met and talked at this location and if you happen to see anything, would you tell me? To my surprise, she said yes. I arrived at the Spider House in the late evening of September 7th. I'd gotten there slightly before Sarah and decided to grab a booth where the window to the tattoo shop would be within her range of view. Like I said, I hadn't told her anything except that there was reported activity at the Spider House and the surrounding buildings. That's it. 
Being completely honest, I actually was expecting little to nothing from this. If something happened, great, we'll roll with it. But I thought, at most, she might report a figure, or a shadow maybe. But what unfolded over the next few hours was completely unexpected, and to date, the most validating paranormal experience I've ever had. When I'm getting multiple, I guess, views, or people are sitting me, I always feel like the hairs in the back of my neck stand up, or uh, like I feel a little cold. And so I was kind of getting that feeling as I was walking up to the front of the spider house. And so when I got up to the front, and I saw you, everything seemed to be okay, but then all of a sudden it was like I was getting checked out. So as I mentioned, I had picked out the booth and was waiting on Sarah, and eventually she texted me and said she was in the parking lot and if I could meet her out front. So I did, and when I saw her, I could tell that she looked a little uncomfortable. We made our way around the building, onto the patio, and into our booth. She went on to tell me that the night that we had our phone call, she was visited or had the impression of two entities. And these entities came to her to kind of let her know that they were here at the spider house and that they were sort of, I guess, expecting her. I didn't know this about Sarah. She does this thing where she draws while she's getting these sort of readings from these entities or spirits. And sure enough, she pulls out a notebook and she starts showing me these two drawings of these two entities that visited her after our phone call. One of them's a man in a suit that I would say is from the late 1800s to early 1900s. And the other's of a woman with her hair pulled back in a bun. And she's wearing sort of a 1910, 1920s dress. Upon getting here and sitting in the booth, she was already seeing the male figure. He was kind of like, oh, you're here, great, like kind of like, here you are, let me bombard you with uh, with things. And I kind of brushed him off, gave him the, well, give me a minute, let me orientate myself. And then I saw her. I noticed her eyes were moving back and forth, following something or someone that was behind me. And there wasn't anyone there. And so as we chit-chatted, she was kind of looming around, trying to see who I was, um, can't she reach out to me? And I think when she figured out she could, that's when she was being very urgent. And she wanted me to come up the stairs. She was like, come upstairs, come up here. And she would go from being downstairs to being in the window of the tattoo shop. When Sarah told me that this female spirit was in the window of the tattoo shop and that she was insisting that she go up there, I was speechless. Within just a couple of minutes, Sarah was already validating one of the most common claims reported, a figure of a woman looking down from the front window of the tattoo shop. And then she would go from downstairs to being in the window. I she heard the urgency for her was like, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. I don't know if the urgency was just like, maybe, oh my God, I've got somebody who can pay attention to me or somebody can see me. And then maybe that's where the urgency was coming from. But initially I was like, why is it so important? But she didn't come across aggressive. It was just more like, come on, persistent. Come on up here. Come on up here. Sarah made it clear to me that she couldn't leave without going up into that tattoo shop. The spirit was making that clear to her. The problem was I hadn't planned for this. It had been a year since I'd last chatted with Ray, and I wasn't even sure if he was in his shop at the moment. It was then that I informed Sarah that the activity I initially wanted to see if she could pick up on wasn't vaccinated around the tattoo shop she was now mentioning. She didn't seem surprised, just nodded and repeated to me that the female spirit was persistent. I understood I needed to at least try to see if Ray was around, and if I could explain this unique situation to him. I traversed the stairs, entered the shop, and was surprised to see Ray kneeling at his station, tattooing a young woman's leg. He recognized me, and I went on to tell him that something kind of interesting had just developed pertaining to what we had talked about a year ago in our interviews. I told him if he had any time between his clients, I would love to chat with him downstairs. He said he was just wrapping up for the night and would be down in five minutes. 
when Ray came down the stairs, I caught him up on everything that was going on, introduced him to Sarah, and he was more than eager to have her go up into the shop and see what she could pick up. So I talked it over with Sarah. She was ready, and we went up the stairs and tried to see what we could figure out. So when we came out and we came up the stairs, the woman was very insistent. But even as I was walking the stairs, she was still trying to give me information that was going up. She was meeting me at different points at the steps, like, here's more information. Here's some more information. Let me get you with all this. She was trying to give me everything all at once. It felt like she hadn't talked to somebody in a really long time. So like when you haven't talked to somebody, all of a sudden you're like, blah, 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 blah. I want to see everything. Um, and that's what she can kind of get at me. And before I walked in, it was just this overwhelming feeling of everything all at once. And so I didn't, couldn't really figure it all out because it was just so much. She was trying to tell me everything about herself, trying to tell me everything about what she's seeing, what she didn't like, what she had, you know, what was going on, how she wanted to get out. Um, and I interpreted it as I wanted to get out of this building. But um, after we left for a little bit, it was kind of coming back. It was like, no, I don't want to get out. I wanted to, but now I'm here now like this is my space you need to tell them to leave my space alone here's sarah explaining what she saw initially right as soon as she came down the stairs again it's rough because it was live and in the moment so she couldn't focus on what she wanted to tell me there was so many things going on like i don't like this and i don't want that and you know here's my space and i walked through here and i'm looking out and she wanted to give me everything all at once so it was just a little overwhelming that i couldn't get a hold of it yeah. She's not malicious, so but she's she does not. like messing with us. So if his stuff goes moving, she does like moving yeah. it because she's just moving it out of the way. That's all. And she likes to come out. She so she's loves the people. She knows you guys are there. And she knows you're in her way. So she knows that. She doesn't like the change. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. It's her space. But she still needs to be. Like, I don't know. It's like she was stuck there feeling like she needed to get out. And then, like, now that's her space. So... This is my space. I claimed my space. Even though I don't want to be here, it's still my space. After things had calmed down and Sarah had a second conversation with the spirit, she was able to get to the bottom of this feeling of entrapment, yet this draw to be in this location that the spirit was expressing to her. There was someone that she took care of here that was very ill, and it seems like they were ill for a very long time. She's making it seem like it was a long, long, drawn-out illness, and she was very... um, she was just very, like, tired and frustrated, and that was her wanting out. That's how, why she wanted out of the building. She was just kind of stuck taking care of that person. The second conversation that Sarah was able to have with the spirit lasted almost an hour, and we were able to get so much information and so much validation for the activity that Ray and his team had experienced in the shop. Following this second conversation or reading, whatever you would like to call it, Sarah was able to elaborate on what this spirit had really wanted to get across. Uh, I like the window. I don't like the incense. <laughs> she definitely does not like the incense, and she still does not like that. And she doesn't like the buzzing of the um, tattoos. When they're tattooing, she doesn't like the buzzing. She doesn't like the noise. Uh, she does like Ray, so she wanted to make sure that he knew that she likes him and that she's watching him, she's watching over him. So she doesn't like the rearrangement. So I think uh, she just wants him to know if he makes changes to kind of warn her a little bit. So she's prepared for the change. Uh, But she is claiming her window space. That is her window space. She said that the spirit wanted to tell Ray that she really wanted him to move back into his old station. Now, I didn't know this, and there's no way Sarah knew this, but Ray confirmed that he had just recently moved his station. 
and she wants him to move. She wants him to move wherever his station is to to the spot where she used to take care of someone. There was someone that she took care of here that was very ill. I'd like to just pause here for a second and kind of reiterate that all the stuff that's been going on, we had not communicated anything to Sarah about. Ray didn't even know we were coming this night. I wasn't sure what was going to happen this night. But the things that were unfolding in front of us were just mind-blowing. And Sarah kept validating things that she had no knowledge about. She mentioned the movement of the stuff in the stations, the damaging of items in the shop. And she was connecting that to the spirit's desire to communicate to the staff that she wasn't happy with certain things. The other owner of Royal Legion Tattoo, Kevin, was actually there tattooing when Sarah made her first pass through. Kevin actually has his station set up in the window that the spirit is seen in. And when Sarah first walked in the building, it's Kevin that she refers to when she says she doesn't like him there, he's in her way. After things had calmed down and Sarah had a really long, detailed conversation with the spirit, we were able to pull Kevin out and get some of his insight. My name is Kevin McKenzie. I have been at the shop for, I guess, coming up on around five years. Anytime we moved around or moved anything around, anytime we'd remodel, anytime we would you know, move stations or anything like that, there would always be certain things that would happen. Nothing like really, you know, scary by any means, but there was, you know, something like, hey, I don't, I don't like this. You know, I don't like how this feels. It's not right. And, you know, it's never really scared, but something was definitely going on. And once, you know, we talked to Sarah about stuff, she, not knowing anything, you know, prior, mentioned very specific things that have happened that she wouldn't have known otherwise just kind of reassured that yeah there is something here she's trying to communicate the only way she can and you know we it just kind of reassured the fact that there was someone there and trying to tell us that we weren't doing stuff right and her she's she's still not giving me her name she's just giving me a c just again she likes looking out at the trees even though the landscape has changed she's acknowledging that the change is there but she liked looking at the trees so that's why she likes looking out that window the tattooing stops so she's she's happy right now she wears her hair up usually down when she's feeling a little trapped maybe that's her her way of loosening up or getting out Uh, but normally her hair is up and she's her clothes are more matronly I guess if you want to do it in a time period like the ninth 1900, 1910, 1915, somewhere around there. She's definitely in her 20s. Very plainly looking, simple brown hair. I can't really narrow down on her face, so I can't tell you her features. She's very, I know she's very thin features, um, but that's, I can't see any more kind of detail like that. Um, And her stance is usually with her arms folded, which is initially I thought she had something in her hands, but it wasn't that. It was just that's the way she stands with her arms kind of in front of her. Uh, that's her posture when she stands in the windows or when she's standing outside kind of watching the people. She comes across initially kind of like she's there, she lets you see her. She's, it's, I, didn't, I was not expecting her to be so strong. Uh, so when we came up the stairs, she kind of volleyed at me at a, at a strength that I didn't quite, I was like, wow, I wasn't quite prepared for that because she didn't seem to be, she seemed to be like one of those shy uh, kind of spirits like I'm not quite sure if I want to trust you yet but when I came up she went boom here's everything I want you to know everything all at once and I'm just going to go in there and very strong very very strong she must have had a very strong character uh, when she was alive 
but she, I, her intent is not malicious. It's just an intent to claim, like, this is my space, and she doesn't want to leave. She doesn't, I thought initially that's what I felt, like, she wanted to leave. She wanted out, and it was very overwhelming, very overpowering, uh, but she was making sure to say, no, 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 I don't want to leave. I wanted to, but I don't want to now. This is where I belong, like, kind of, this is where I need to be, so don't, like, I don't want to mess with any of that, so I said, okay. Uh, but she was very insistent that Ray be in a certain spot so she can see him, so she can watch over him. So her intent is not mean or anything like that. And she scared people. She's, it's not what she intends to do. It's just, you know, maybe it happens or those people had some other kind of intentions and she knows it. So she's kind of getting rid of them. When we wrapped up that night, uh, it felt like we all kind of didn't want to say goodbye. It was one of those experiences that we knew felt bigger than all of us. Sarah hugged Ray and said her goodbyes. We began to walk down the stairs, just Sarah and myself, and the whole night I had been asking Sarah to try to get a name just so I could get some validation from some of the research I had done previously. I hadn't told anybody that I had done this research, but I had spent hours at the Austin History Center researching every person that owned this property since 1886 to current day. This information was kept in my binder, and I was the only person that knew of it. As we're going down these stairs, Sarah and I, she stops us, and she says, Christina. She finally told me her name. It's Christina, and she said goodbye. And (laughs) that was it for me, because one of the names that was on the list was in fact Christina to go even further this was the name of one of the daughters of the man who owned the dairy farm that this property once was now there's no saying for certain that this spirit is in fact Christina but all the facts kind of point in that direction everything that happened validated what I had researched I'm going to avoid last names and stuff to protect families' identities and such. But there was a man who, around the time of the 1880s, settled that area that the Spider House and this tattoo shop is around. And he had a dairy farm and had several daughters. In the records, I was able to find that they lived there for many, many years. And when it appears he passed, the property went to one of his daughters, and it was in her name, Christina. Christina lived there for many years after this, and eventually even got married, and the property then transferred into her husband's name. So the time that all this happened was between the time of early 1900s to the 1920s. The physical appearance of the spirit and the the time period of her attire uh, seemed to line up with this. I'm not saying... We know 100% that this is the spirit of Christina, the person that inherited this property from her father. But it's kind of hard to ignore some of these facts that are directly in front of us that completely coincide with what Sarah was communicating to us from this spirit. Since Sarah was able to verify a lot of the things that had gone on here that she couldn't have known about, It certainly lent a lot of credibility to the entity that lives here. I feel like when Sarah came through, it was so unexpected, first of all. And then it had the feeling of uh, something that needed to happen and something that was meant to happen. The meeting that night 
had a, had a certain feel of destiny about it. About a month after all this had unfolded, I wanted to follow up with Ray to see how things were going. So on October 6th, I headed back to the tattoo shop to see if I could chat with Ray and anyone else that was there. The aftermath of that night was a sense of shock, and everyone was sort of really quiet. We all just sort of looked at each other and kind of took a few moments to take it all in and take a few deep breaths. It was all very exciting, a little bit unnerving, and at the same time, it lent a voice to a lot of things that we knew were already happening here. And it made a lot of uh, the specific instances fall into place as to why they may have happened, why certain stations might have gotten a lot more um, attention (laughs) uh, than others. Ever since then, I mean, since she told us about specific things about her, like looking out that window and in my station, uh, not liking it blocked and... Uh, the incense, you know, burning so much incense that we trap her up here and stuff. Trying to be more respectful, you know. I don't block my window anymore, and it's just like something small like that. If we can, you know, just help, why wouldn't we sort of stuff and kind of be respectful of it. But ever since then, I haven't really... She's been kind of quiet, you know, and uh, just trying to listen to her if we can and be respectful to her, which I feel is important. We've made changes according to what we found out through Sarah, and everything feels very right and more harmonious. When Sarah pointed out that Christina may have had an affinity with myself and, and the station that I used to occupy, it certainly lent a voice to a feeling that I had been having as well for quite some time. It feels like for the last couple of years, everything was thrown up in the air, and now I'm landing back where I should have been, and maybe in a more improved situation. I feel like I owe some gratitude toward Christina for helping me find where I needed to be. Having this experience of being given the chance to be able to talk to Christina in this way is simply amazing, and so like all good things in life, it didn't unfold the way I would have ever expected but it came out so much better and so much more helpful than I could have expected the first thing I noticed when I arrived on October 6th was that Ray was in fact in his old station again and when we sat out on the patio to catch up and see how things were going one of the first things he told me was that he had started to see Christina again just fleetingly in the doorways Nothing solid yet, but when he told me this, the thing I noticed about him was that he was smiling. Thanks for listening to episode one of the Night Owl podcast. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and subscribe to our channel. You can visit us at thenightowlpodcast.com, and if you have a story to tell, please email me at the night owl podcast at gmail.com i'd like to take this time to thank our musician friends who have sponsored this episode nicholas fair out of corpus christi and pd wilder from austin texas you can get a link to their websites or their work on our website stay restless and we'll see you next time
this podcast was mastered by David Dalton of Driftwork Sound. If you're ready to up the production quality of your podcasts or music, go to driftworksound.com. That's D-R-I-F-T, worksound.com. And get your project mixed, mastered, or produced using well-established methods and unconventional techniques. That's driftworksound.com. And remember, your first master is completely free.